This is Kuza Conversations with Chris, and I'm excited to bring you another episode with President and CEO of Westwater Resources, Chris Jones. Westwater Resources is a premium quality producer and supplier of battery materials made right here in the United States. On Kuza Conversations with Chris, we discuss how Westwater Resources is supplying the energy of the future. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, for for joining the Kuza Conversations with Chris podcast. This has been a nice, long, in the works project that Chris and uh, my team have been working on, and very excited to bring you series number one, episode number one, with the one and only sensational <laughs> Chris Jones. <laughs> well, it's, it's my pleasure to be here, and and thanks for the uh, uh, you know the high expectations lead in. There you go. So um, to start us off, Chris, why don't you tell us about yourself and. I think it would, would be nice maybe to share a little bit of the vision that you have for the audience around what sort of information that they will be able to draw from in our uh, our show here today and in perpetuity. Yeah, thank you. It's it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, you know, I graduated as a mining engineer in 1981, spent most of my life in the mining business, um, hither and yon around the United States and in Canada with assignments and other places in a lot of different commodities from gold and, and copper and molybdenum and coal and, and other uh, oil sands, for instance. But um, I came to what is now Westwater Resources about seven and a half years ago. Uh, it was a uranium company that had stopped mining. And and uh, really, we brought in a team to revamp the company and to uh, expand its vision into energy materials and most recently, over these last couple of years, have concentrated our efforts on developing a battery graphite business. And battery graphite is a is a lesser known material, but it's essential in most types of batteries. Uh, most importantly, those batteries that are used in electric vehicles. You may see a Tesla coming down the road. Uh, what I see is 800 pounds of batteries and 200 pounds of graphite. And uh, with the growth curve in electric vehicles as we expand their adoption rates from 2% right now of car sales to to even just 10%. That's a five-fold increase in the amount of wow. graphite they're going to need. And that happens wow. over the next nine or 10 years. Uh, it, you know, an important uh, event actually occurred yesterday when, when the governor of California signed an order to ban the sale of fossil fuel-powered vehicles starting in 2035. Now, wow, that's, that's wait a minute. What? That's only 15 years from now. And yes, indeed, Governor Newsom signed an order in the nation's largest car market banning the sale of fossil fuel powered vehicles uh, really in just 15 years. So there's a major transformation happening there uh, mm -hmm. to be followed. We expect, with, you know, in some some versions over the, the rest of the 50 states and, and quite possibly the rest of the world. These are exciting times for yeah. electric vehicles. And our product is essential. So tell me about, so you've been, you've been with Westwater for seven years now. Tell me about why, why, you know, you had a decorated career, been the president and CEO of multiple companies, chief operating officer. You have a, the, the training officially to understand what's happening at the mine. Why Westwater? Why Graphite? 
why this space? Like, did you see this coming? Or, you know, how, how seven years ago, you know, <laughs> the world was very different. <laughs> so tell us about that journey. I challenge anybody to see really what's coming in their own careers over the course of a, a professional lifetime. But what we did see as we were evaluating this opportunity, and it's a we, there was, there was uh, people involved uh, in hiring me and, mm-hmm. and facilitating the entry to the job and, and uh, their investors. As I was speaking to them, what we saw was a company with good bones, a NASDAQ listing, a long history of work with the Securities and Exchange Commission, all the rules and regulations around public uh, companies, and a large portfolio of then just uranium properties in New Mexico and Texas. And uh, we saw that uranium prices at $45 a pound uh, at that period of time, uh, we had a shot at uh, developing some of these properties into operating mines. And that was really the catalyst uh, for coming aboard. They needed somebody that could you know, work with others to put these things together in, a, in an operating plan and a development plan for the company. So uh, I was lucky enough to be chosen as, as, as the, as the uh, CEO. Immediately thereafter, brought on Jeff Vigil uh, as our uh, CFO and was lucky to have John Lawrence, our, our general counsel, already in place. He'd been in place since the fall uh, prior to that, fall of 12. And this team of three uh, began to redevelop the company into something that was more agile, more fleet of foot. And then with the intent of developing our uranium business, as uh, mm-hmm. uranium is important to baseload a nuclear power generation. But over the ensuing five years, the... Uh, uranium price fell away from us, and uh, we began to look for other opportunities, first in lithium, and uh, and now, uh, two years ago, we acquired Alabama Graphite and uh, are expanding into what we see as a clean and clear opportunity to deliver materials into an expanding market. Clean and clear. What What's clean and clear? Uh, there's no real obstacles in front of us to develop this uh, particular business under, uh, except for normal business obstacles, you know, uh, financing, all that kind of thing that, uh, or business organization growing a business from uh, what is soon to be about 10 people to uh, uh, 150 people over the next eight years. There's, those are normal business obstacles uh, and challenges for us to, to overcome, but we don't have to worry about the market. The market yeah. is there. Could I hit the pause button real quick there? I want to, so what, what about the, the core team that you have in place and your kind of expertise and your experience? I personally believe it, I believe in you because I know you, but why would someone believe in the core team that you have and your expertise around getting to that 150, you know, full mind? We'll get into the details around Kuza in a minute here, but just from what you said there. Why this team? Why you? This team in in its individual parts and pieces has been responsible for developing other businesses and, yeah. uh, and, and has the backbone of strength around mm-hmm. operations and, and operational excellence uh, that many development teams uh, just haven't had yet. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then so, so Jeff... Josh and yourself. So you're 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 taking on this project around uranium. 
the the market kind of falls away from you a bit. Um, you've made some recent changes in the business, really putting your chips on the table here for Graphite. So describe your products and vision as if you were describe it to you know your child, your niece, or your nephew here, because that's pretty much where my expertise is at. <laughs> and maybe some investors that are looking to get into you know the battery market. You know, Tesla has their battery day. Bill Gates is making moves in the battery market. I think it's getting a lot of visibility, but from people that may not know, you know, the, some of the details that I wouldn't even be able to comment on right now. But how would you describe your products and what you're doing? to, you know, a five-year-old. <laughs> you bet. So uh, one correction, it's Jeff, John, and myself as the as, oh, uh, as the executive team, uh, also including Dane McCoy, Javat Ur, and uh, Jay Wego, our, our newest addition to the team and, and VP sales and marketing. So, uh, so that's really uh, a little bit about the team. And, and these are the guys that are going to develop this business. But the simple form of our business is is this: graphite's essential in all kinds of batteries, and batteries are essential to life. Whether the they're the batteries in your flashlight, or the batteries in your smoke detector, your phone, your laptop, soon to be your car if you live in California for sure. And with all those batteries out there, people need to be thinking about the stuff that goes in them. You know, it's 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 not a magic device. We've had alkaline power cells for decades and decades. But it's a gram of graphite that makes that battery work uh, as a more efficient object. And the and the car you drove to work today has a lead-acid battery, unless you're one of the 2% that have adopted a, a, an electric vehicle. And that lead-acid battery wears out every 48 months. It needs to be recycled. And when it is, the graphite is not recyclable. They need new graphite to add to that battery to make it more efficient. And if you own a newer car with stop-start technology, so this is a car that shuts off at intersections to save fuel, it restarts, which tortures the battery. Hmm. Lucky for us, the batteries that contain graphite are a little bit more efficient and uh, way less, so that uh, you can have that kind of battery in your car, not take a, a fuel mileage penalty, uh, nor an extra cost, because the batteries are more efficient and they can last longer. So, those are the big markets for our batteries. 10 billion alkaline power cells a year, uh, like those that are in your smoke detector. Uh, the lead acid market is the largest single battery market in the world. 70,000 tons a year of graphite go into these lead acid batteries. But the growth story and the most popular and fun story to talk about is electric vehicles, of course. Yeah. You're going to take a market with a 2% adoption rate right now. 2% of, of car sales now are electric uh, of some version. And even if it's only a 10% adoption rate in a few years, that's a five-fold increase in the amount of graphite they need. That's important. And that graphite we make. We've made it at the lab level. We've made it at the kilogram level. And our pilot plant that is undergoing construction right now in Germany is going to make that at the ton level. We're pretty excited wow. about this business. Wow. That's awesome. So tell me more about why American sourced graphite. You know, why why is um graphite from America important for the electric car and the battery market in general? Politics aside, security of supply for any battery manufacturer is important. So concentrating on a single geography or a single political system, or a single entity for your supply is usually not a great idea uh, for, for a manufacturer. Uh, 
China controls over 90% of the, of the graphite supply uh, in our business. And that kind of control is great for China, but for the United States, you know, you can experience weather-related, political-related, or other kinds of supply dis- disruptions. A U.S. supply, and this, this battery business is located in Alabama, in a favorable climatic uh, jurisdiction, favorable and encouraging of business, and we're just lucky to have a deposit in Alabama that we can exploit. Before we do that, though, we're going to be building a factory that upgrades purchased graphite on the open market to these battery materials for the United States and for the world right right there in Alabama. So, wow. uh, you know, if you're looking for a stable political dis- uh, jurisdiction, the United States is one of those. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and uh, you know, in, in our world, uh, it is the premier legal jurisdiction for, uh, for developing a project like this. And we're it. Uh, there is one battery project in, in Alaska that is behind us in development, but we are the, uh, we are the leading edge of battery development properties here in the United States in terms of being fully integrated from mine to factory to sales. So there's a there's a, a decent um, graphite, I guess, production out of out of international you know uh, countries right now that imports in a decent amount of graphite. So you're saying that having one in America, sourced in America, available for you know for American companies or or global companies as well, um, that is a, a game changer for the battery market. You bet. What differentiates us from uh, battery materials manufacturers here in the United States, and there's very few, is that we don't buy our products from China. We buy it from somewhere else, and only right. for the next eight years. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, you know the mine development takes place later in our in our life, but the uh, uh, the high margins uh, for battery materials manufacturers are in the raw materials upgrading, if you will. And that's what we do. And that's the plant we intend to build during uh, the latter part of 21 into 2022 for commissioning at the end of that year. Okay. So educate the audience here around what a pilot project and what a full production mine, uh, the, the details here. So bring, bring it, what are, what are the steps from a, from very big picture I'm going to challenge you to be concise here for me because, you know, the the audience, I think, would really benefit from from understanding what the steps are and how Westwater has kind of walked through some of those initial steps and uh, where they you see them going, you know, um, and, and if we could if we could tie some timelines and how things have been going, that would be great, too. Sure. So uh, let me back it up just a little bit. First, you make the material in the lab uh, at the gram and and less than kilogram level. So, you know, a pound of of this stuff maximum at a time. You send that off for testing. You prove that you can upgrade that material uh, so that its electrical properties and its its other properties are suitable uh, for further development. We've already done that. That's what we've been doing for the last two years. The pilot plant is special because now those processes that you intend to use to manufacture are used at a smaller scale. So at the tonnage level. So we plan on making, you know, upwards of uh, between 10 and 15 tons of products out of this pilot plant. It's going to, it's located in Germany uh, for the most part, but there are parts and pieces of it done in, in New York and in, in uh, Illinois and, and two or three places in Germany. So it's a, it's a big integrated effort 
to make sure that we can produce the same quality of materials at a higher level, at a bit of bigger scale. Also, that we can accurately quantify all of the inputs and outputs so that we, are, uh, we have that light f- environmental footprint that we promise uh, we have in, in the, here in the United States, that we can ac- accurately estimate the energy inputs and, and how big the vessels and the footprint of the factory need to be so that we can put together what we call a feasibility study in the okay. first part of 2021. That's the design for the plant. That's okay. the study you take to the bank and finance with. So what you've done so far, if I can recap here. So you, so you're, you, you found this site, acquired the site. What is the, actually, what does an acquisition of a site look like? What does that mean for the Alabama project? What does that mean? We bought the deposit from a, uh, from a company called Alabama Graphite, a Canadian gotcha. company, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, the site for the factory can be at that site, or it can be somewhere else, uh, dependent on a lot of factors of, of proximity to workforce, energy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're presently on the hunt for a site uh, for Got the it. factory, but there's plenty of places available in, in Alabama that we're already acquainted with. The acquisition of the mine and some of the technology we're using was done two years ago. What we've done is improve the business plan so that we can make a higher return earlier for our shareholders and our investors in the in the facility as we go forward. And uh, that business plan, by the way, is posted on the website. Uh, it's a it pretty good read with some pretty good artwork and uh, yes. you know, plenty of pictures and graphs. Yes, you know, I like that. <laughs> well, you know, I think we all do. I think it really helps yeah. us all understand what's, you know, yeah. when we're when we're looking at something new. And um, yeah. Uh, with a comprehensive business plan on a website, you can pick and choose the information you wish to read. But, but you know, the, hey, the bottom line is that um, the pilot plant is, an, is a, a critical intermediate step to developing the overall uh, process flow. And that pilot plant is going to be complete uh, during January, February of 2021. So this is fast. Wow, that's, that's huge. This is fast and this is important. Yeah. Wow. Well, my my interview here is very well timed because we got we're gonna have a lot of good stuff to talk about here in the coming months. Mm-hmm. It sounds like on this project. Okay. All right. So the pilot plant that is really so the asset that Westwater has is this mine. The asset yet you're developing is this is this site, right? Or the source of the graphite that is the asset. The site is what you're developing, and then you're kind of putting the plan together on how that all that technology, that whole stack is going to work. Is that right? That's pretty close. So the okay. uh, the 40,000 acres is actually a deposit. We haven't developed the mine on that. It does have some historic mining on there uh, from the uh, early part of the 20th century. Uh, but we've explored that site. There's more exploration needing to be done before we can uh, develop the mine. But you know, the reason for developing the mine last, frankly, is permitting timelines tend to be longer uh, for mm. mines than they do for uh, industrial facilities. Mm. And frankly, you want to be producing cash as fast as you can. And that's right. r- really what our, our business plan is all about. Right. So it's kind of like this ever expanding pie that you have. OK, you're you found a way to produce cash right now with the asset that you have. And then you have a really great plan in the future here to be the domestic supplier of a very, you know, growing market as we've kind of defined. So is this typical? Like, is this typically how someone that has your asset would go about doing this, you know, um, or where is yours differentiated a little bit? And, you know, 
the caveat, you know, there, there may be some information that you're probably withholding or that you definitely see as as important that may not be shared on this podcast. Maybe we'll get get it out of you next year or something. But um, <laughs> but what, why is this different or is it is it pretty standard, this process? What do you think? I've really got to credit the brilliance of the of the team in developing this this business plan. What we did okay. was innovative in building the processing facility first and securing a non-Chinese source of graphite for that facility. That was critically important to us because it advanced our timelines uh, several years. And the timelines mm. meaning time to produce cash. Mm. And uh, and, and building the mine last is is um, pretty atypical, uh, certainly in, in, in my experience. Uh, it's okay. no, normally the other way around. Uh, okay. but, but the other, uh, uh, I think the other critical innovations, um, you know, that are that are certainly worth mention is we've applied for a patent for our our uh, one aspect of our technology for making the graphite. And, you know, the first step in wow, in, in Wait, make- what, what was that? You- <laughs> We, we have applied for a patent because we have a proprietary technology for cleaning up the graphite. When you take the graphite in um, as, a, uh, as a buyer, you're, you're buying a 95% pure graphite, uh, the other 5% being other minerals uh, in there. You have to increase the purity of that material from 95% uh, to, to in excess of 99.98% wow. carbon. And uh, that's a pretty fierce process, or it can be. Our guys working with our team in in Germany innovated a new process for doing that and have applied for a patent. And we're pretty excited about that particular thing. Now, (laughs) now I will tell um, all of our listeners here that it is not only a proprietary technology, but we applied for what's called a provisional patent, which means until the patent office looks at it, it is confidential, but we've shown that it works in, in our lab. And as uh, as we can release information and protect our technology at the same time, it will do so because it's it's fascinating how how these guys have have put together that pe- that particular piece of work along with all the other things that they've done. Wow. Okay. That that is that, that's an important piece of information here. So I think that's uh, I, you know one of the one of the things that I listening to some of your calls that I've been impressed with is you all are setting up kind of long term cash engines as well as short term, right? So from an investor's perspective, what can you share that would affect the price of your of you know being an investor in, in your business right and you know it's publicly traded what what can you share that would affect that from maybe a, a three month six eight or twelve month timeline let's do three six and twelve on that so in terms of our investors you know do the things they need to look for in a, in in an investment in, in Westwater uh, one of those is that we will have and have had periodic catalysts. Uh, meaning, you know, uh, moments of change in our value, you know, as we've acquired companies uh, to to do this particular work, as we've uh, acquired, you know, developed our technology. So periodically, as soon as we can release the news, we do so. And we, we talk about that news in the marketplace, either through a special conference call or, or a, uh, a regular quarterly conference call or press releases. 
those are times when investors should pay attention to what's going on and evaluate their investment thesis with us uh, against and, and in favor of that news. That's the most important piece. In our universe of financing, we have two vehicles in place to maintain our cash. You know, this is, it's not inexpensive to develop a pilot plant or a feasibility study. And what we use are, are two instruments, one with Lincoln Park Capital of Chicago called an equity line of credit. And it allows us to put shares to them at our option whenever we wish under a formula with them so that, um, you know, we can raise cash when we need to. And mm-hmm. those those instruments, we've had these instruments in place for years with one entity or another. And um, we are pretty adept uh, at, at managing that. They're not obligated to sell the shares the day we put them to them. They can hold and and sell advantageously at their option later. They're just obligated to hold less than 10% of our company uh, so that it enables them to trade those shares uh, without uh, periodic reporting or daily reporting, uh, depending on the size of your holdings. We also have what's called an ATM in place. It's called an at-the-market offering, and and uh, that's a similar instrument. We can put shares to uh, Cantor Fitzgerald, uh, under, and, and these are both very low-cost instruments uh, for us. On days uh, when we see an opportunity to do so, and, and uh, we endeavor uh, with either one of these instruments to never be the market that day. We just want to take advantage of a market that already exists. And we've been practicing those two uh, instruments, as I said, for several years. When it comes time to build the plant, we'll need some other stuff. We'll need some other types of investment. And and I think investors need to be aware of that. It could be debt. It could be uh, additional equity. It could be a joint venture. It could be any one of a whole universe of other financings methods. Uh, that we can use going forward, uh, but we're not there yet. Uh, to, we really need to develop this property so that uh, investors, new investors, can understand this project in a way that enables them to invest going mm. forward. But in the meantime, okay. Okay. there's periodic news releases. Some of them are, some of them not ours. Uh, uh, some days we trade with Tesla. Uh, some days we trade with other parts of the market external to that. So we need intelligent investors like mm-hmm. any other company. But we provide uh, as much as we can uh, uh, without compromising our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, you know, we talked about the proprietary technology. Telling other people about the technology would be great, except for the part that other competitors of ours could go use that technology and, and, uh, and, and compete with us directly. We're not interested yeah. in that. How, how will some of these projects, relationships, and information, proprietary information, like you mentioned, how is that going to bring in real revenue into the company in kind of the short term slash long term? You know, most of these are long term, long term efforts to bring uh, additional revenue, actually additional profits into the company once we get started. For instance, a good way to reframe that question. That's an imp- more important reframe. Yeah, revenue is important, but but yeah. actually creating profits is is more important. Yeah, that is, and. and um, in our case, our technology is a lower cost technology for purifying the graphite. So for a given revenue stream, if you have lower costs, your profits are higher uh, mm-hmm. by definition. So that's part of that. How we finance our business has a direct impact on how those profits are realized uh, by the investors themselves. So you know, once we are producing revenues, and, and again, you know, we're producing revenues and 
in two and a half years. This is a really short cycle for a, uh, you know for a energy development company with a uh, again with a clear line of sight to producing uh, cash mm. flow. These projected revenues and these projected cash flows, uh, you know, as we as we go through our feasibility study, we can tweak as we learn more about how the process works uh, at the pilot scale level, and then later as we get this plant starting uh, starting up, you know, the idea is to reduce cost at each juncture, increase product quality, so you're increasing the market and you're increasing your margins, and and uh, you know that's that's how we intend to develop this business. Okay. And then as more opportunities, short and long-term present themselves, how do you see building out your business development efforts? Business development efforts have been continuous for the last seven and a half years. And I expect them to be continuous, certainly for the duration of, of, of this business. Uh, so for the long run, business development opportunities happen. As we keep our ears to the ground, uh, you know, we attended uh, Battery Day uh, yeah. to listen very carefully to Tesla's development of the batteries. We have added staff over the course of the last year. Importantly, Jay Wego, our VP of, of Sales and Marketing. This yeah, guy's, tell us about him. Yeah, Jay's been in the battery markets for years. Um, he was with a Lithium uh, Production Company, uh, the other half of the mineral value in the, in the lithium ion batteries. And uh, um, he's already got a pretty good handle, an excellent handle on those people that use our products. So these development opportunities can be in the form of uh, his relationships telling him, well, you know, we've got another use for graphite, for instance. And, uh, and we can explore those opportunities with Jay's help now and uh, with Chavat Ur, our technical, uh, our, our VP technical services, and uh, and see if those are opportunities that present a cash flow opportunity that fit inside our mandate uh, to develop this graphite business, and uh, going forward from there. So uh, this is a team of people that have business development running through their veins, uh, yeah. and and uh, and I think you know emblematic of that is is that uh, this. This uh, graphite business was unknown to us two and a half years ago. Hmm. Uh, we've been able to develop the expertise, envelop others' expertise as we've uh, as we've worked over these last two and a half years to develop the business. So, can you give us any hot takes on tangible relationships or business development efforts? Uh, they'd be premature at this point. Uh, you know, I think I, I'd love to talk about them, but you know, market. Development in the graphite business is uh, pretty close to the vest activity, and mm. you know we've socialized uh, in the past that we have a one-ton order from an alkaline power cell manufacturer already uh, mm. for further testing. What does that What does that mean exactly? That means that our our material, our graphite material, has already passed their qualification steps at the gram and the kilogram level. And uh, they want one ton of this stuff so that they can build a bunch of batteries with us and test them in in, uh, wow. uh, in there. Just, we're pretty excited about that kind of stuff. Does that speak to the system that you put into place already? So, like, does that speak the viability of that system that you put into place? Does that order prove that out, would you say? It does. Um, it's a step towards final proof, I think, is a great way to tip to, to, to Got examine it. that. So, you know... At the one ton level, these guys are interested in 
in price and in quantity and in your ability to service the contracts, as well as making sure that the quality that they've already seen is stuff that you can make at the production level. Hmm. Is one ton, uh, for those who are not familiar with, you know, the, the purchase or the acquisition of this raw material, what sort of purchase is that? You know, is that a, is that a large, small, medium? Is that a vote of confidence? It's a, it's a small purchase in the overall scheme of things, but they can make a million batteries with that. Wow. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's important. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Wow. So you see, what, uh, Tesla, 800 pounds of, <laughs> of graphite. <laughs> yeah. 200 pounds in an electric car and 800 pounds of batteries. We love electric yeah. cars. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. I want to kind of circle back to what we had started off with talking a little bit more about um, your career. What do you feel as though your previous roles as president and as CEO, and then also on the more of the operations side, what do you feel like are some of the main tenets that you've learned in your career so far on how to lead a team like this? Taking, first of all, the operational experience you know, I was up in various levels of management through chief operating officer up until, uh, call it 2008. And what you learn in doing that work is how to lead people, how to use systems to manage an operation different than leadership, <clears throat> how to manage uh, operations so you know what's going on. You know, General Electric was famous in its heyday for for having terrific business management systems and a great oh, yeah. leadership education network. And we adopted over the course of, you know, those those first 30 years of, of my work, a lot of those systems that GE developed, some we developed in-house at companies like Cypress and Amex and Consolidation Coal and and uh, with Shell. And uh, those are those are all really great systems. And and what you know what we now have between uh, you know the team members are a number of different organizations' systems in our libraries. So we're familiar with how to manage that bit. And, and managing is very important to an organization once you've learned how to lead people. Managing groups, large and small, for instance, in the oil sands business, you know, I think we had 1,200 regular full-time employees, but about 2,000 people on a regular full-time equivalent basis are reporting through our organization. That was a lot of people to lead and in an interesting and challenging work environment uh, where we had to run really well to make the material, to make our, our oil, and we had to run really well to make sure that people were interested in getting that done. And we had great systems to help us do the management of the oil making, and we had great leadership uh, all throughout our organization uh, that taught me, taught them, led us in ways that really made us more mature leaders. That's true of John, uh, our GC. It's true of Jay and his role at uh, at uh, Albemarle and others. And uh, with that kind of depth, uh, we're not the typical junior technology developer term. You know, it's not a yes. you know we're just not a bunch of lab guys or engineers that decided one day to go build battery stuff. We're a pretty experienced management team that can anticipate the developmental issues as and challenges as we build this business out and we hire all these people and put them to work making graphite products in a way that's different than your normal development company. Hmm. So 
later, you know, as um, you know, when I when I began to work as a as a chief operating officer for a couple of different companies, including this one, you learn other stuff. You learn how to market. Uh, I think you, you, know, you learn how all the intricacies of maintaining a public company, uh, a rapport with your investors at the same time that you're leading your uh, your folks and. And it's been really valuable, and I've been blessed at every turn over the last uh, 25 or 30 years to have great leaders with whom I worked, uh, whether for them uh, as teachers and leaders of mine and um, and people that uh, with whom I worked that were great leaders uh, that taught me how to follow. It's been a it's been a super rewarding career in that respect, and thank goodness the stuff they taught me. Uh, some of it stuck. So I'm just happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. I, I love that. So people and systems, um, mm-hmm. and then utilizing a both time-tested and a variety of systems and even just even just in the names that you're mentioning here and their backgrounds, a variety of people, you know, mm-hmm. and a variety of backgrounds and expertise. Yeah, I've been impressed as I've been following you all for a shorter time now, much shorter than someone like like Deborah or some of your other your other fans, I think. You know, they I've been impressed with your knack of putting people together. Even in the with Jay, you know, and that, as I was getting to know who Jay is and I'll, I'll May have the pleasure to meet him. I'm sure one day, hopefully in person, if COVID, uh, <laughs> you know, gets gets behind us a little bit. But just someone like that, like that, with with incredible expertise, um, or even you know your VP technology that you mentioned, incredible expertise and background. You know that I think even those sorts of people are a vote of confidence in the company itself that I think investors would be wise to personally, hearing what you're talking about, investors would be wise to follow, but also um, having a systems mindset around those people is going to be huge for you, I think. But that's one man's opinion. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks for that. And it really is, you know, the, there's a lot of businesses out there that are missing one of the, one of the other ingredients, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, great leadership and, and, and people, uh, around the uh, the challenge or you know systems great leadership without systems is is uh, uh, is is challenging all by itself but the unique thing about Westwater as we've developed this company is we really have both uh, we have a wide variety of systems we can put to work uh, so that we know how to manage this thing we have a wide variety of experience in building machines that do this kind of work or, or work that's similar and we have the ability to tap the specific science and, and engineering expertise of people all over the world, witness our relationship with Dorf Naranzaplan in, in Germany uh, to develop this business as well. And uh, that kind of maturity, technical acumen and maturity, I should say, is critical to the, to the development of this business. And, and um, uh, I am personally very excited about making this happen. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's two things that I want to uh, to comment on, or I guess focus on a little bit before we close out our first episode here. Uh, the first is what are 
you so you, you said there's a clear path ahead. Sometimes there's clarity of what challenges he'll meet. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's clear, but we're we're very clearly gonna have this challenge at this point. Very clearly. <laughs> so what are the challenges that you see ahead? And where would you say are some blind spots that you're aware of that you're going to be looking out for ahead here? Think of this clear path ahead as not an interstate across Kansas but an obstacle course that you understand most of the obstacles, first of all. So it's a clear view of an obstacle course. And in our case, we understand most of the obstacles in front of us. Um, Financing is one of those. Uh, uh, Scaling up our, our process is a challenge because processes, as you, as you start processing more material at a time, the mechanics of how that stuff runs around in your in, in your factory begin to become more clear, and and, mm-hmm. and um, that's the reason you put together a pilot plan is to under you know get a little bit more clarity, a lot more mm-hmm. clarity in some ways, on mm-hmm. how that business is supposed to run. When Tesla built a car, the first time, they had a clear path to an electric car, and they used a Lotus platform for that. So little little Lotus sports car and put an electric powertrain in it and that would and that enabled them to learn for instance a lot more about electric propulsion Mm. for a vehicle without having to mess around with all the other stuff you need to build a car brakes and tires Mm. and doors and and windows that work we're in the same sort of pathway we understand Mm. material flows and uh, as we scale up, these are the sorts of things that we develop. So this obstacle course, uh, we can see the obstacles. We can see alternate pathways around them or through them like anybody else. Where we'll learn yet, and we're prepared for those learnings, is when you scale up and you produce, when you produce the graphite, what do you do with it? I mean, it, how does it go through the machine and yeah. get packaged up in, in a way that the Customers can can use it and test it and and and, and uh, utilize it in their batteries. Well, we don't have to know all about that right now, but we do have to know about the processes we use to 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 figure it out. Hmm. And that's what we're doing with the pilot plant right now. And it's proprietary, cutting edge information, <laughs> which is exciting too. Yeah, we do. It's, it is pretty exciting for us. And and yeah. uh, you know who knew that was going to happen? But uh, yeah. when you when you work with really smart people, this stuff yeah. happens. Well, and and that's that. I think that's a, that that could be a testament with someone looking forward. Like, okay, Westwater is where they are at this position. They're well positioned. They've put their eggs in the basket that needs to be focused, you know, on this graphite business. And previous challenges have resulted in patents. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so this might be a might be a good good ride. I'm sure there will be times where you're pulling your hair out. Um, on this ride, but I think that I'm excited to see this this play out. So, I think um, the next the next topic, and it's it, it could be pretty quick here. But if you if not you personally, because you're you know the CEO of Westwater here, um, say your best friend had 20k in wealth to place in the green energy supply chain in general. Why put it in Westwater? We talk about why Westwater is an investment. As part of our regular messaging to to the world, this is an easy question to answer. So if an investor wants to invest in green energy, we fit. If an investor has a particular interest 
in batteries, a domestic supplier of graphite is a great way to look at our particular investment thesis because uh, we're about it. There are manufacturers here in the United States that use Chinese graphite to provide battery products. We don't do that, and we will not do that. Our supply is is uh, is non-Chinese, and we'd love to talk about who they are, but they've asked to to be confidential suppliers to us, and and certainly we respect that. Yeah. Ultimately, all the graphite and all the processing happens here on American soil. It just takes mm-hmm. time to develop that business. So if you've got a an interest in a in a U.S. based investment. That's also important. If you're interested in the environment and how this graphite is produced, we're operating here in the United States. The United States already has a robust environmental framework that we can fit easily into. Mm. We, can, we can be that light touch on the environment so that mm. people can be pretty proud to hold their phones or their laptops or drive their electric cars knowing that the graphite that was made was made in an environmentally responsible and uh, environmentally sensitive measure. Look at our website. Safety for us is the first of our core values. It is safety for ourselves, our folks, the communities where we work and the environments in which we operate. That's Mm. important stuff. Mm. And it's not taken lightly. Thank you for joining Kuza Conversations with Chris. We release new episodes every two weeks, so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To get up-to-date news and find more resources, please also subscribe to our newsletter by clicking on the link in the show notes. Kuza Conversations with Chris is a product of Westwater Resources. If you are interested in what's happening in the green energy industry, Please also subscribe to our other podcast, Green Energy Supply Secrets. Thank you again for joining us today. Until next time.